This is Jessica from the Budget Savvy Bride, and you're listening to the Mountainside Bride Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Mountainside Bride Podcast. I'm Christy O, the editor and publisher of the Mountainside Bride, and I am here with Kimberly Stewart from Kim the JP. Located in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, Kim has been a JP since 2001. She started as a notary for the state of New Hampshire, uh, and two friends asked her to become a JP so that she could marry them in the backcountry. And about the same time, Kim attended another friend's wedding in the backcountry, and this is when she was considering becoming a JP, and she remembers her friends mentioning how hard it was to find a JP who would hike. And she said to herself that she definitely should get that JP appointment so she could provide that service. Now Kim caters to adventurous mountain brides who want a unique wedding in the backcountry. She does civil unions, interfaith ceremonies, non-religious ceremonies, and pretty much any ceremony you can think of. Kim specializes in out-of-the-box wedding ceremonies. She has a five-star rating on Wedding Wire and is beloved by brides and grooms as the numerous unsolicited testimonials on Kim's website tell. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Christy. It's so exciting to have another New England girl <laughs> <laughs> up here. Um, you know, we definitely have some some uh, some similar background in terms of you growing up um, in a in a great area in New England. And obviously, we have some things in common about our love of mountains. That's right. We both fled fled for the mountains. Fled for the mountains. So you're known for performing weddings in very unusual places around New Hampshire and hiking into the backcountry. Can you begin by telling us some of the most unusual places you've performed weddings? Sure. I, I actually get that question quite a lot. And one of the things I struggle with is that what some people think are unusual, I think of as my backyard and I think of as a very normal area. I live in the White Mountain National Forest and I have lived here for the past 25 years and I worked on the forest for most of those years. So a lot of the backcountry places to me are just, you know, they're just part of my life and they're not the least bit unusual. Um, summits of mountains, ski areas, waterfalls, what have you, um, you know, guests at weddings will always say, oh, this must be the, you know, the craziest place you've ever been. And I'll say, no, actually, you know, I'm, I'm here lunchtime at least once a week or what have you. So I have a hard time picking out the most unusual. I, I did come up with a few to, to tell you about. Um, one of them was an island on Lake Winnipesaukee. And it was actually, it was two women and they called me up and they wanted to make sure I was okay with getting on a motorboat and going over to an island. And I said, yeah, absolutely. No problem. That sounds like fun. And then when we got to the island, you know, we looked at their home for a little bit and I think had a, an appetizer and a drink or something. And then they said, okay, well now we need to do something a little different. We need to get on a raft and go over to another island. Okay, Sure. So we took this little raft where there was a hand-over-hand -hand rope between the two islands, and you had to pull yourself along to get to the other island, uh, and then you hopped out. And we did this really beautiful sunset ceremony on this outcropping, um, and I got some great photos of these two brides coming across in the raft, and you know we called it the aisle. Uh, they were coming down the aisle, and it was, it was really cute, but it was definitely unusual. Um, Let's see, another one I did early in my career 
um, I was asked to hike up to something called the Nubble, which is up in Bethlehem. And I had never been to it, but I felt pretty confident that, um, you know, reading up on it and understanding most of the mountains around here, that it would be a fine, easy hike. And I actually brought my dachshund with me. Asked the groom if he thought the dachshund could come. He said, absolutely. Uh, it turned out to be this rocky outcropping that had no trail up to it. Um, definitely turned out to be an inappropriate place for me to have brought my dog. She got up there fine, you know, carried her a lot. Uh, but it was a really neat spot with a 360 degree view of the Northern White Mountains. And that bride was eight and a half months pregnant. Oh, wow. Along on that hike. <laughs> so that was, that was an interesting one. Um, I definitely do the summit of Mount Washington. I'm always up for a trip up Mount Washington. And I generally will go up the auto road and meet the couple, no matter how they come. They may come up the auto road. They might hike. They might come up the cog railway up the other side of the mountain. But I'll generally always come up uh, the auto road and meet them wherever they want me to meet them. And as you can imagine, and you know from growing up in New England, that uh, Mount Washington is the home of the world's worst weather. And yes, they get some pretty crazy weather up there. Um, I always make sure we have a backup plan. And since there was one time where I was driving up the auto road and the road shut down halfway up due to a hailstorm, um, I always make sure there's a backup plan and that the couple understands, you know, exactly how it can be. That that wedding party was already on the summit, and I was not allowed to continue up the road to get to them. Um, I was about an hour later. Uh, so I, I try to make sure that in this area where we have no cell phone coverage on the mountain, that they understand that I, if I'm not there, there's a reason. Um, and I suspect that this probably happened in the, the summer. like that uh, May. May, okay. May. Because that is the way of, of tall mountains um, in of course, Mount Washington, there's some tall mountains in the Southern Appalachians, Mount Mitchell, mm -hmm. and then in the Rockies in the Sierra, it's not uncommon to get hail and snow on summits all Absolutely. year round, Yep. year round. Yep. So how big are these weddings? I mean, are we talking elopements or are we talking about, you know, 50 of your wedding guests hiking they up? Are, they're a little of everything. I mean, the, the noble example was the couple and like their four children. Um, the summit of Washington, I've done, I've done up to a hundred people on the summit of Washington. Um, I've certainly done elopements, just the couple, the Winnipesaukee one, that was maybe 12. My weddings definitely range from everywhere from two people to 250 people. Really? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't put 250 in the back country. Those tend to be, you know, the local hotels. Uh, or something like that. I do try to guide people. Uh, for example, the Jackson Falls in Jackson, New Hampshire, very, very popular. I try to encourage people not to have more than perhaps 20 people at a ceremony at that location, because for one thing, they won't hear me over the falls. And it's a hard place to gather much more than 20 people. So if I'm, if I'm familiar with the area that we're talking about, I try to steer people um, if necessary, away from an area that's inappropriate for a larger crowd. Sure. And I, I assume that there are some environmental considerations when you start bringing a lot of people into a, a single area. Absolutely. Yep. So how far will you actually travel for your weddings? Well, I live on the border of the 
upper third and the middle third of the state, and I tend to travel uh, west and south. So I tend to cover about the middle third of the state of New Hampshire. I'm legal to travel anywhere in the state of New Hampshire, but couples are often, um, if they don't know me and they're not trying to book me because I'm a friend, they're, they're pretty concerned with money and they're not going to want to pay my travel fees to say, you know, the Manchester area or someplace in the South. So I find that um, from a price point, I don't get much beyond the middle third of the state uh, with my quotes. And that's okay because, you know, this is a big state and, um, you know, too many hours on the road just isn't necessarily what I want to be doing. So what's the, what's the radius and mileage? Are we talking like 50 miles, a hundred miles? I honestly don't know what, what it is, uh, because I don't bill by mileage. I bill by the hours of driving. And in this state, it's hard to get from point A to point B. So it's not as easy as just saying, oh, you're 50 miles away. Okay, great. Um, 50 miles in one direction may take a certain amount of time, but in the other direction, it might take twice as long. So from, if you're familiar with like Meredith and Lake Winnipesaukee. I am. My, my parents used to live in Belmont. Oh, sure, sure. Okay, so I'd say um, probably Belmont would be about it to the south. Okay. You know, and to the west, I go a little bit beyond Franconia Notch often. Okay. Um, going north, I don't usually get much past Crawford Notch, Bretton Woods, and the Mount Washington Hotel. Which is a stunning venue, by oh, the way. Oh, it's a stunning venue, and it's, and it's not that far from me. Um, it's probably a 45-minute drive to get to the hotel. Um, so I do a lot of weddings there of all different sizes, elopements right through the 250-person wedding. Wow. Gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. So what what exactly is a, a justice of the peace, and how is that different from other officiants? Sure. Well, I'll start by saying that not all states have justices of the peace, and I can't begin to tell you why. Um, there's a number of them in New England that do still use them, although Maine does not. Maine lets their notaries do their weddings. But a justice of the peace is an appointed official by the state of New Hampshire. Notaries and JPs are both appointed by state governments and share similar responsibilities. They can do acknowledgments, oaths, affirmations, warrants, depositions, and witnessing signatures. The difference with the JP is that they may also perform marriage ceremonies. Um, so I do so sometimes do some work for the local police department. I will sign warrants uh, for people's arrest. They, it's a little archaic, but if they want to arrest somebody, they need to have a JP or a judge sign, sign off on some documentation. Um, I can also do bail bonds or bail commissioner work. I always say bail bondsman, but that's not it. It's bail commissioner work, which is what um, you do to uh, set someone's bail in, um, like in the middle of the night when the judge isn't awake. So you see the like the full spectrum of life experience for all sorts of people. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm only just getting started on the bail commissioner work. And that was at the request of my local police department. So I haven't seen many of those, but you're right. I can see, you know, the happiest wedding couple on their day right down to the person who just got arrested. <laughs> that is so interesting to me. Oh. <laughs> wow. Well, good. Good for you. What a what a. um what an integral part of the community you are. Yeah, you know, that's that's right. It's a necessary thing, apparently, um, given the way that our laws work. So 
Yeah. And I do it. Um, one of the reasons I, I agreed to do it was to help my local police department basically get home to their families um, in the middle of the night. They don't have to wait two hours for a bail commissioner to arrive. Hopefully I'm just down the street. That's awesome, Kim. Let's get, let's, uh, let's get back to weddings though. Yeah. <laughs> what, you know, as you know, uh, brides and grooms who are getting married for the first time often, well, they're getting married for the first time. So this is, they don't know what to look for in a vendor and a, and a JP and a, in a event planner and a DJ. So just for our audience who this is their first time planning a wedding, what qualities should a couple look for in their potential officiant? Sure. I think uh, probably number one is that it's an organized person, uh, which I pride myself on being organized. <clears throat> you wouldn't want your officiant to be disorganized, obviously, or fr frankly, any vendor for your wedding. But um, also someone to guide them through the process. As you say, they've never been through it before. They're starting from scratch. Even if they have been th through it before, often they've been through it in a church setting. So they're doing something a little different. Um, they want someone to help them writing the ceremony. Um, sometimes people even ask me to help them find a location. They know they want to get married, maybe outdoors, you know, and that's about it that they give me for parameters. So I definitely get a lot of asking for help for the location, but I'd say the largest part is the ceremony, um, getting that written with them, for them, you know, any level of, of help, um, and also guidance in getting the marriage license. And that uh, the marriage license comes from the town clerk. So a lot of what I'm doing is pointing them back towards um, it, whichever town they've chosen to, to get their license from. Uh, so guidance, um, I would think they would likely want someone they're comfortable working with. They would want, as I said, an organized person, energetic. Um, unfortunately, many are driven by the fees quoted by the JP, which is too bad because we're all different. We can all quote our own fees. And like any service provider, we each have something to offer. Uh, so it's a shame when people will outright just say, you know, sorry, this person quoted $25 less, so I'm going to go with them. Uh, but that's what you get with any service that you're you're shopping around for. What does make a good officiant? You know, I, I imagine we had two weddings and we had a JP wedding in California and we had a religious wedding by an Episcopalian minister in North Carolina. And our first, and we had these two weddings for family. Uh, family couldn't travel, so we went to them. And the first, the JP that we chose, we just chose JP, you know, same thing. Um, how much are you? Okay, can you do it? All right, will you do my paperwork? Sure, okay. And, um, there wasn't a lot of emotion from her mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it was fun. I was excited to be married. I didn't know the difference and I wouldn't have known the difference if I hadn't had that second wedding with a man that was full of love and life and acted like he was genuinely happy to be a part of that particular ceremony. That's a great point. That's a great point. Because she was just reading the script yep. and we were married and we signed the paperwork yep. and that was that, but it really fell flat. So, yeah. I mean, how, what, what's your take on, on being able to speak publicly to, to an audience like that? Well, really? Yeah. I try, try hard not to be that person. Um, 
although you know that sometimes there's things going on in your life or you're busy and you're rushing from thing to thing. Um, so much of my work with a couple is ahead of time that when the day actually comes, that's like the least of my work is to get there to do it. Um, so I've already hopefully interacted with them quite a lot, been excited for their wedding, you know, given them a lot of help on, on making it their special day. And then um, at the ceremony, you know, sometimes I have to rely on cues of the, the audience and the couple. I've definitely seen couples where I've wondered why I'm even there. They, you know, there's no emotion from them. Um, but I feed off of their emotion. If the couple is crying, I'm, I'm not necessarily crying myself, but I'm definitely, um, you know, reacting as a guest might to their emotion or to the family's emotion or what have you. Um, it is probably hard to to get as, you know, absolutely blown out of the water by every single couple um, as maybe we should be. Sure. Although I think with that first one, I'm a pretty exuberant, outgoing girl. I don't know what. <laughs> Just throwing her under the bus here. Yeah. She's yeah. no longer. She. I don't think she is in town anymore, and she doesn't. She doesn't do that type of thing uh -huh. anymore. But um. So, to that point about you know choosing a potential officiant, uh, a lot of people, including your friends back in 2001, wanted the 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 intimacy and in, in the the custom feel of having a friend or a family member marry them mm -hmm. and so people go online i think it's like the universal ministry or universal life church monastery yeah. yes online and they get their whatever <laughs> their ordainment online and they and they they say yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna marry my friends do you have any guidance or tips or red flags for couples who want to be married by a friend? Well, I do in that my understanding is the state of New Hampshire is not too keen on that. Other states are, um, but the state of New Hampshire isn't. A lot of times people will try that and then they'll run into the problem of it not being legal. Uh, and then they'll call me and they'll say, well, we really want our friend to do the bulk of this, but we want you to do the legal part of it. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I have to make sure that I say a few things on my end and that the legal things are accomplished. But I completely understand wanting to have someone that's special to you be in that role and not be just somebody that you, you booked. Um, so I'll definitely work with people um, who want to do that or want to do their own special ceremony elsewhere on another day. And maybe their guests don't even know that the person standing up there is not legal. Um, you know, I've seen that happen and I've been asked to do things like Quaker ceremonies where they don't have officiants. Um, so I'll do the legal portion well before the ceremony and then they'll do their own thing. As far as guidance to the friend for, for what to do standing up front, you know, I think if, if they're entering into that, they're usually somebody who's willing to do it. They're gonna be okay with being in front of an audience. Um, a lot of times, there's someone who has experience, you know, speaking. Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't usually try to offer any advice on that aspect, but my website from the, uh, the ceremony standpoint, I have a ton of samples on my website and I encourage people, even if you're not booking me, feel free to look at the samples and the ceremonies and um, how something is laid out so that if you've chosen not to use me, you can still use my resources. 
um, and make sure that that person, that friend that's doing your ceremony, you know, is going to do something that at least sounds somewhat appropriate for a ceremony for your guests. That's awesome. Have you seen any like gaffes or just horrors? <laughs> I, I have. I saw one, <clears throat> one, it, it wasn't a horror, but I did a joint ceremony uh, for the son of a friend of mine and his bride. And they really wanted their best friend who was somebody that was a best friend to both of them to do the bulk of the ceremony. And they wanted me to do the legal portion. And so I was seated in the front row, um, you know, ready to stand up and do my, my bits and pieces, but he was up front and he had everybody rise for the bride. And then he launched into the ceremony and he didn't ask anyone to sit down. <laughs> and I was sort of looking around and I was trying to catch his eye and say, you need to, you know, tell them to sit down. And I wanted to sort of gesture to the whole audience. There were like a hundred people, but it wasn't <laughs> my position. And I didn't think people could even see me because I was standing with everybody else. And it wasn't until the groom turned around for some reason, I'd say, you know, a good five minutes into the ceremony and saw everybody standing and he told them all to sit down. Uh, so that was, that was a big gaffe I saw, but I, I can't say that I've seen other, you know, other horrible things that made me cringe uh, in those <laughs> joint ceremonies. That's yeah, I guess that's minor not having and guests can be so forgiving during the wedding. Of course, you don't want to make them uncomfortable, mm -hmm. um, but they're really there for the couple. And so yes. there's there's a lot of flexibility and leeway during during a wedding. That is cute. Yeah. And, and there's definitely a lot of laughter. You know, last night's groom dropped the ring. There was a lot of laughter. And I think laughter is good. It shouldn't be completely serious because there's probably laughter in their own lives sure I, you know i hope there is sure um, so there's no reason not to have some laughter and i actually encourage people to write funny things into their intentions um you know it can be the very serious sickness and in health statement but um then you know do you promise to bring me coffee in bed on sunday mornings or scoop the kitty litter box or or what have you um it makes the guests kind of snap out of their uh, you know, staring at the couple and paying attention. And they, they kind of go, Oh my gosh, did she just say that? Um, but that's their relationship. And that's something going forward, you know, they're going to be struggling with who's going to scoop the kitty litter box. <laughs> yeah. The recycling out. So I think it's perfectly appropriate to put things in there um, that lead to some laughter. Yes. I, I totally agree. It's, I can't agree with you uh, enough. We, <laughs> my husband and I laugh and hug every day. And, uh, and we've been, I don't know how we got onto this. I, I asked him the other day, I said, how many times do you think we hug? Cause we are hugging and laughing all day mm -hmm. long. That's and he fantastic. said, I don't know, like 40. And I said, it's not 40. It's more like 15, which is a lot of hugs for a couple who's been together for 10 years. That is that's fantastic. <laughs> so so now we're counting and the more we count and we try to figure out what number hug we're on, the more we laugh. And I will tell you, it's that willingness to be in a constant state of joy. And it's a conscious thing. You know, it's not magical. Yeah. We consciously make the choice to be joyful in our relationship um, is what has just every year our marriage gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And so I love that concept of, starting the marriage with joy and laughter because if, if a couple can cultivate that over the years they'll have the strongest marriage the marriage that they really envision when they're when they're going through this process 
Yeah, that is that is fantastic. It'll carry them through um, the more difficult times. So do you recommend, so creating a ceremony from scratch seems super daunting. Do you recommend starting from those personal points, the laughter, the joy? Like, how does that process begin? I don't recommend starting from those points, but that's not a bad idea. Um, what I've done is, is that very first couple, they wrote the full ceremony themselves. She did all the research online and presented it to me. And I said, great, I, I know nothing else. So sure, I'll read your ceremony. From there, the next couple, I said, well, the only sample I have is this one. And then it just kept building that each couple would take ceremonies and tweak them and make them their own until I reached a point where I had a good handful of them to put on my website that I hope are each a little different. Um, and I suggest couples look at those samples and they don't have to use anything that's on my website, but they're a good way, if you've never been through it before, to look at what other couples have done, how a ceremony could be laid out. You don't have to follow any particular plan, but it's, it's nice for your guests. I think your guests expect a certain pattern. Mm -hmm. um, and so many couples will look at these samples, they'll hit on various parts of it, They'll cut and paste pieces together. Um, they'll change some words. They'll find their own readings. They'll find their own, you know, anything that they want. Add them in. And every couple is different in how much help they need from me. Some couples will write the entire ceremony, email it to me. I'll read it and say, great, I have, I have no comments or concerns or anything. This is perfect. Other couples will find a bunch of pieces, you know, we like these intentions, but we like these vows and we want to write this part and, you know, what have you, and we're not doing rings or, or whatever, help us finish it, you know, put in the rest of the stuff. Um, and I equate it to making a quilt. Um, I feel like people will give me a bunch of scraps of material and ask me to turn it into a quilt and I will. Um, and generally people are really happy with what I'll send back to them as a suggested ceremony. If they're, completely panicked and they just it seems too overwhelming I have a really easy ceremony on my website it's number 24 and I always tell people you know what if this is freaking you out just start with number 24 read through it it's a really simple one it doesn't even have a welcome to guests because it was designed for an elopement and start with that use it you know as building blocks and then start adding other things to it we'll add in a welcome we'll add in a reading um, you know and we'll go from there uh, yeah, you're, toss thing. Oh, go ahead. I'm on your, I'm on your website on the ceremony ideas page and, uh -huh. and you really have covered your bases, um, which I love. It's not just, you know, the young couple with the 250 guests hotel wedding. You have sample ceremonies for, you know, anybody, you have same sex ceremony samples, you have ceremonies with children, you have vow renewals, and then you've pieced out some of the components of the ceremony. So it, it is, it's a fantastic resource oh, to you. kind of get people started and jumpstart that, that, yeah, um, it, it definitely gets them going. Um, one thing I do struggle with is a lot of times couples wanted to be married in a church but for one reason or another they can't be and then they ask me to include a lot of religious components and i'm not a clergy person uh so i'll read whatever you ask me to do but it becomes a bit awkward on my part 
So if people want somebody from the clergy, get somebody from the clergy. Yeah, and I've started to, to have to really push back a little bit with that when people are really including quite a lot of religious things. I'll say, you know, you really, I'm not sure JP is who you want. Okay. So what are some, what are some u- unique rituals? I see on your website here that you have an Apache wedding blessing. Uh, a lot of us are familiar with the sand ceremony. Um, there's a wine and ca- card exchange. Like what, what are some unique rituals that you do? Sure. Sure. Um, well, and yeah, as, as you found, there is one section of the website there that it has a whole bunch of other things to add to a ceremony beyond the usual intentions, vows, and rings. Um, the wine in the box, I think, is a really great one. I will read a passage about how the um, couple is placing a favorite bottle of wine in a sealed box, and they're putting they're writing cards to each other on this day, their wedding day, and they're going to put the cards in there. And so they're going to seal the box up and maybe enjoy the bottle of wine on their 10th anniversary or, you know, pick a number. If times are troublesome, they're encouraged to open up that box earlier and read those cards to each other and remember what brought them here on this, their wedding day. I think that's a nice one. Um, I do the hand fasting ceremony a lot, uh, which uh, binds their hands with a cloth. And we talk about, you know, these are the hands that will hold yours, you know, through thick and thin, basically, for lack of better uh, synopsis there. I've done ones, there's a flower exchange where they give each other a rose. And I talk about how in times of uh, like times of trouble, if they can't say they're sorry to each other, if they just can't find the words, they should put a rose in a vase in a certain part of their house. And it, the rose will speak for the words that they can't say themselves. Oh, I'm tearing up on that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also a little sad too. Um, but the, the words are, the words are good. I, I, I actually, I love that. I love, love, love that because marriage is so hard sometimes. Yes. It's so hard. And you know, you, you, I don't think that I was ever more optimistic in my life than when I stood before my now husband and we said our vows. Um, or when he, when I said yes, when he put the ring on, on, Uh um, our, uh, on my finger, the engagement ring and gosh, I got to tell you that we have a really great relationship, but we do have our issues that we are trying to work through. Um, they keep on bubbling up every, you know, <laughs> couple times a year where yeah. I just want to throttle this guy. And I'm like, geez, Louise, is this the rest of my life? Like hanging out <laughs> with this jackass. And so I like, we, our thing is um every now and again we'll watch our wedding video which sort of brings us back together and to a joyful time and has us remember our vows and the wedding in um the wedding video ends with the classic um you know that which god has put together let no one put asunder Mm -hmm. which was which was meaningful for us you know it's like hey this is this is it we made this commitment we made this vow we're gonna have to try to figure this out but i i do like the i know it's sort of sad to think that you're gonna fight but you know what you're gonna fight (laughs) yeah this is a way that that helps you through that because you can't find the words yeah um then that's great and it kind of brings you i like it because it, it prepares you you know realistically for some some difficult times and everybody every couple has a thresh 
different threshold for that mm -hmm. difficulty. You know, I've, I have uh, friends who've um, weathered adultery, which is amazing to me. And I'm so yeah, that they're proud they're of them together. that they're still together and if they figured that out. And, you know, with Dustin and I, we weather who's going to vacuum and when. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I still want to throttle them. <laughs> so I love that idea of, of prepping the couple for the work that's involved with marriage and giving them tools to get through it. That's yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, that's a, a, a tool as opposed to, um, you know, other ceremony components, like maybe wishing stones where everybody makes a wish on a stone and the stones go in a jar. I mean, that's great. That's absolutely lovely, but it doesn't necessarily prepare them for those troubling times. Right. Uh, so you have a very good point that that's a good tool. Um, just as maybe reading the cards, if you're having trouble in your relationship, reading those cards and remembering what brought you here today. Um, and remembering that it's a, it's a group effort. I, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I do like, and I read through some of your sample ceremonies when you're doing um, weddings with guests rather than elopements that you are encouraging the couple to understand that their community is one that they can rely upon and you mm. are in your in you're having the guests make a vow that they will help the couple through that i like those ones where the couple have that that third intention where the audience needs to answer we will we will continue to support this couple in the future and so on and so forth we also do sometimes that third intention is the couple saying to the children we're going to continue to support you this now blended family of children, which I'm sure means a great deal to those to those kids as they I hope so get into you know take a step toward that new part that new part of their lives. Yep. Yeah, it's it's funny. I feel like, and I was this kind of bride. I got so wrapped up in the details and the reception details and the bunting and you know what kind of food we were going to serve and the venue and stuff like that that. One of my, I, I loved having the ceremony from the Book of Common Prayer because it's meaningful for me and my husband. But one of the regrets I have is, is not incorpor incorporating something more unique to us as a couple, not having some, um, some c vows that came from my heart and in our relationship that we would speak to one another. Right. Um, I kind of brushed over the ceremony and now on the other side of it, I'm like, well, geez, Louise, I really wish that we had spent more time on this. Well, you can renew your vows and do that. Oh, we will. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I, a lot of times people will struggle with, well, we want to write our own vows, but we don't know how to do it. And I say, one of the things I like the best is when I see the groom pull a piece of wedding station, a piece of hotel stationery out of his pocket that is from the hotel they're staying in. It's been rolled up and crinkled and like handwritten because he wrote it that morning, you know, because he was a slacker <laughs> and didn't get his vows done. But he wrote them that morning on, on that hotel stationery. And they're the most thoughtful vows because they're they're what he's thinking that day. That's cool. And they're very personal. I bet. That's a big day. Big yeah. day. Yep. So. Uh, just kind of coming down the homeward stretch of this interview, I know that some people feel uncomfortable in the spotlight. You know, it's it's kind of gnarly to be in a, a dress that you've never worn or never will wear again, all dressed yep. up in front of all your friends and family. Do you have any pointers for people who feel uncomfortable in the spotlight? Absolutely. And, and one of the reasons many people elope is 
that very point that they don't want to be standing up there in front of a whole group. And that's fine. Unfortunately, it does leave out, you know, some special people in your life. So if you if you are going to do a wedding with guests, you know, any number, 10 to 300, and you're still nervous about what's going to happen, um, I'll encourage them to, to focus on me when I'm talking to you. Focus on me. Focus on your groom or, you know, or your bride or what have you. Um, as I am speaking to you, if you are looking at me, and repeating after me, because a lot of times they're repeat after me um, lines. I, I've had brides tell me afterwards, you know, I'm really glad you were looking right at me and speaking to me because I was able to focus on you and it, it let me forget, you know, those hundred people behind me. Um, we can also condense a lot of things down to you don't need to speak very much. You know, if you're really that uncomfortable or I've had people with speech impediments or people who are deaf or people who, you know, have any other reason um, why they really can't do a lot of talking. Um, you know, I'll work with them on whatever they think is, is best. Keeping a, a ceremony short can help. Um, you know, whatever, whatever you need to do, we'll work with, with how you are because everybody's different. And after, uh, let's see, 2011, 12, 13, after 13 years, I'm sure that you've seen all types of personalities and can deal with many different styles of people and personality. I'd like to hope so. Yeah, I'd definitely like to hope so. Um, I've definitely seen, for the most part, people at their best. Um, but I've, you know, I've seen a few people who, who aren't really at their best. Sure. Uh, and I've definitely seen people come to me who who described just what you did a little earlier about, you know, getting so fixated on the color of the bunting or the color of the napkins, they just kind of flip out and say, and rightly so realize that this is not what this is about. It's not the color of the napkins. It's a marriage about you two and you two, and maybe some children, but you two going forward and they'll come to me and they'll um, have a very small scale ceremony because uh, they realize they just, they just want to be married to each other. Right. It's not about the show. The show is great. Don't get me wrong. The, the show can be wonderful, but um, people need to be realistic about what the show means. Yeah. And the, sh the show is fleeting. The rest yeah. of the relationship is still there for you year yeah, yeah. after year. <laughs> and that show costs a lot of money. Yeah. The show does cost a lot of money. Kim, you have given such amazing information uh, in this interview, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to be on the show. Do you have any final thoughts or tips, whether regarding weather or backcountry travel or con crafting a ceremony itself? Sure, sure. Well, definitely weather. Um, if I'm doing an outdoor wedding, we always have a backup location uh, because you don't know what it's going to be like. Um, and if we're in the backcountry, uh, I like to, ha I, I may sound obnoxious to a couple in asking for lots and lots of details, like confirming where we're going to meet, what happens if we don't meet, um, because I've had cases where I've tried to find a couple at a ski area and they keep missing me and, you know, uh, again, stressful without cell phone coverage. Um, so I get, I, I tell people to bear with me as I try to confirm things, you know, repeatedly. Um, backup plans are great. Um, and, and to like, I think I've said before, think outside the box on the ceremony, you know, don't feel you have to do anything in particular. If you don't want to exchange rings, you don't have to, 
if you want to combine your intentions, your vows, and your ring exchange into one sentence, you can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and as before, I'm here for as little help or as much help as every couple needs. And I try to really encourage them to remember that, uh, to ask me questions, but also to read my website. Um, I have a lot of information on my website. And a lot of times people will ask me questions that um, I'd like to think are really easy to have found on my website. Yeah, just your website is amazing. You have Thank so you. much information to to get people going and to really orientate them. And I, I just think that that is wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being on the show, Kim. Um, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. And that concludes another episode of the Mountainside Bride podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Did you know you can subscribe to the Mountainside Bride on iTunes? Just search for Mountainside Bride and subscribe. You can also subscribe with your feed burner or other feed reader. Just go to mountainsidebride.com slash feed slash podcast and choose how you'd like to subscribe. And if you're a top wedding blogger or a mountain wedding professional and have some of your own insights and advice to share, please email me at Christie, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E at mountainsidebride.com. Thanks again for listening.